Hello everyone, it is Mariah here, one of the pastors on staff, and I wanted to give you all a quick note before we hop into Josh's sermon for this week. I just want to let you all know that due to some technical difficulties, the first 10 minutes of Josh's sermon was cut off, but I am positive that you all will still be able to understand what's happening and get something out of this sermon. So please excuse our technical difficulties and enjoy this week's talk from our lead pastor, Joshua Williams. There anymore. Still around here. And verse 9 says, His disciples asked Jesus what this parable meant. And Jesus answered, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to the rest it comes by means of parables, so they may look but not see and listen but not understand. Jesus is effectively saying, Hey, when I speak and call you to listen, when you come closer, that's the secret of the kingdom. The secret of the kingdom is relationship. The secret of the kingdom is intimacy. The secret of the kingdom is asking Jesus what he meant. How many times have we read scripture and been like, what in the world is this saying? And then sometimes we either close the book or we can get curious. Let me pray about that. Let me ask someone about that. Let me go on a prayer walk. Jesus says, lean in because when you do, you get more. You kind of determine if you're a crowd or a disciple, not by moral perfection, but by if you're willing to ask a follow-up question to Jesus. I'm like, I like my odds with that. Moral perfection, not just, I'm done. I'm already done, right? But asking Jesus a follow-up question, yes, let's go. I can do this. What happens if we listen is we get intimacy. We get to behold. You know, I kind of think about this like grandma's kitchen, right? Where you know you're going to get a plate. Grandma loves you. Like everyone gets a plate. But when you go in the kitchen, you get the recipe. You find out how to do this. You find out how you would make all the mistakes and how for her, she's actually got something to teach you. And usually, I mean, I'm talking thinking about my grandmothers. If it's that, I'm, I'm getting the plate, I'm getting the recipe, and I'm getting the story. And the story sometimes is the best part. Because like, hey, do you know why we cooked this? I'm like, I don't know. And then she talks about, I'm like, what? Huh? Like recently, I was talking to my grandmother. She's like, yeah, you know, your granddad was in Selma. I'm like, wait, like the Selma? Like she's like, oh yeah, like we trade back and forth. So like he got Selma. I was like, wait, like he got Selma? What are you talking about? Like, oh yeah, we were just involved deeply. And so one of us would do babysitting for, you know, the six kids, and the other one would go to the place. I was like, are you telling me my granddad went to, it's like, I've already said that, Josh. Like, I am telling you that. Now, like, taste this. Is it good? Like, that's amazing. When you lean in, right? God's a lot like a grandma in that way. If you lean in, you get more. And again, I'm telling you, more food, more recipes, and more stories. And we want all of that. But if you just get a plate, I mean... I guess that's good for one day, but I want the stories because they last a lifetime. I want the recipes because then I can do this for others. But sometimes we're satisfied with the plate and we shouldn't be. Gonna keep going to verse 11. So we're gonna get deeper about not just how Jesus talks to us, that he says to listen and he invites us to lean in, but what Jesus is saying in this parable, right? So there's, Jesus likes to speak in parables because it helps us lean in and to really be students. But I want to get into what this parable says. And the best way I can do that is by breaking it down with what Jesus already says. Sometimes scripture doesn't do this. It's like Jesus says a confusing thing. You're like, oh, this is going to be the next part of the verse. It says what it means. And it just keeps going. Here Jesus is like, here's the cheat sheet. It's actually what it means. Verse 11. This is what the parable means. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The seeds that fell along the path stand for those who hear but the devil comes and takes away the message away from their hearts in order to keep them from believing and being saved one path 
The seeds that fell on rocky ground stand for those who hear the message and receive it gladly, but it does not speak, sink deep into them. They believe only for a while, but when the time of testing comes, they fall away. Two different kinds of soul here. The seeds that fell among thorn bushes stand for those who hear, but the worries and riches and pleasures of this life crowd in and choke them, and their fruit never ripens. The third kind of soil. And then the fourth, the seeds that fell in good soil stand for those who hear the message and retain it in a good and obedient heart, and they persist until they bear fruit. Four kinds of soil. Each one has what? The seed. Each one has the seed, which is the word of God. It's not that some have the word of God and some don't, that some are blessed by Jesus and some aren't. Everyone gets the word. Everyone gets the soil. Everyone gets Jesus at the end of the day. The question is, what happens when that word of God is planted in our heart? And I think the word of God isn't just like the Bible, like a book that like some, somehow like gets downloaded into our heart, but it's like revelation. It's speech from God, the latest thing God has been teaching you. Think about what that is. Like, actually, I'll give you like a beat, a pause. Like, think about what the latest thing that Jesus has taught you is in your life. That's a seed. It's the word of God, a seed planted in you. And these four soils, yeah, that's the way that it's going to go. That's the way you're going to grow. I want to break these seeds down and the soils that accompany them. The first one is this. The seeds that fell along the path stand for those who hear, but the devil comes and takes the message away from their hearts in order to keep them from believing and being saved. That's the first soil. The path and the birds all snatched up. When I hear what it says about the devil doing something in hearts, it doesn't use this language, but I, what I think is that it's about the, the devil, I, I call him the enemy, the enemy of our souls, going into our hearts and being the accuser, which is one of his ancient names. Being the accuser and lying, lying to us. And as someone that's been a spiritual friend for a while and a pastor for a little bit more recently, I've seen this as I've walked with my friends, as I've shared with them about my own life. It's when something new happens in your life, something that's getting deeper, something that's happening for the first time, something God is doing. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. I didn't know I could be in a small group and experience this life. I didn't know I could ask for forgiveness and people would really forgive me truly. I didn't know that I could think about justice this way. And then all of a sudden you hear another voice. You fool, of course you can't. Don't you know how dumb that is to believe that? How dangerous it is to do that? how much you become unsafe and unstable, how much you won't get what you want if you follow that path. I, I, I don't mean to ask this to expose, but, and I don't, you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you are familiar with that kind of accusation? You can just think in your heart, is that familiar to you? It's familiar to me, because that's what it sounds like when the enemy can't be creative, but can only do a little bit of a weak thing of, you already have something powerful, but what if I just try to tell you it's not? The experience can't go away. <laughs> that weekend conference where you felt like, man, I think I could really change. Like, not overnight, but I could really become someone that values honesty. And someone says, of course you can't. You just told a lie to your mom, like, on the last call. It can't undo the genuine spiritual experience you had, but it can certainly tell you as much as you'll, you'll dare to believe it, that it's inauthentic, that it won't be good for you, that it's a trap 
There are these things happening in our hearts. And then the challenge is that lies come in. Real, powerful lies. I think about a woman in our community who uh, became a, a home group leader, a teacher in our community, and is a church planter now, Liz Moore. I love when she taught because she always exposed this. She said, I came into this community. You know, someone asked me to teach a sermon after I was here for a while. And I was just like, of course I can't. Do you know who I am? And then she had to think, was that me saying that? Or was that something else putting a, that had put a different kind of seed in my heart that just said, you can't, you won't. It'll be the worst thing. And part of her journey from that step of, I think I'm going to do this anyway. <laughs> I think I'm going to turn down the volume of that and turn up the volume of faith, of trust, of perseverance, of saying no to the lie. Was saying, I think I'm going to become who I am actually through that, through that process. She rejected the lie and she inhabited the truth of her story. Does that feel like something you can do to avoid being this soil? To say, I think that's a lie and I'm going to reject it. Say, that's not true. That's not who I have to be. That's not inevitable. That's not my punishment. That's not something that's for me. But instead, I'm going to inhabit the truth of my story. And what's the good thing about that? It's not your story, like what you've lived, because that would be limiting. It's the story of who Jesus has called you to be and the story that Jesus himself has lived. Remember, he has a resurrection story. That's the story that we're tied to when we say yes to follow Jesus. And so we can always find resurrection in our story, even if we haven't seen it yet. There's just something that's under the ground, almost like a seed. But it can pop up. There can be resurrection for us. Liz Moore said, you know what? I think I might hear that voice a few more times, but it's not going to stop me from my destiny. I'm going to say yes to church planning. Did she hear some other discouraging things along the way? Of course she did. But she said, the volume on this is one or two. The volume on God's uh, belovedness for me, that's on 11. And that's what I'm going to choose each day, every day. Let's look at that second kind of soil. The seeds that fell on rocky ground stand for those who hear the message and receive it gladly, but it does not sink deep into them. They believe only for a while, but when the time of testing comes, they fall away. These are people who are challenged by testing. Now, I'm going to avoid the big, like, you know, little thing like, who tests? Is it this? Is it God? Sorry, another day maybe. But we get tested. And we know this. When there are things that we're developing in or growing, we get tested. I mean, the thing I always talk about is you know, doing some college ministry, you know, doing a little college Bible study. And, you know, I say, you all seem like you're growing. Like, you guys seem like you're saying yes for yourself. Like, I see that you're learning and listening. So what's the name of the person then? And they're like, what? I'm like, it's the name of that person that you've, like, you know, seen, like, across the hall, like the cute person. They're like, wait, how did you know? I was like, well, it's just a matter of time. Like, you experience, like, some goodness in your faith, then there's going to be, like, a cute person that, like, you see. This is just how it works, right? Like, in college, students, I was like, how did you know that? I'm like, it's pretty, like, it just happens. There's just someone. Like, they have a name. They have a story. Usually some, like, quasi-spiritual commitments, right? Like, this is just how it can work sometimes. There's testing as we say, what do we really want? What do we really need? What would, should we really be into right now? Okay, some people are finally cracking up. I was waiting for it. You know, this is just how things go. And it could be other stuff, too. I mean, maybe things that are more serious. I think that's pretty serious, too. But, like, you know, a 27-year-old pastor that just had taken over a church, and then two weeks later he's in a meeting, and they say, hey, you know what? You're either going to have to shorten your church meeting by an hour and ten minutes on two weeks' notice because we have a potluck, um, or you have to, like, just be out of the building. That was me and we chose to be out of the building. And within five weeks of becoming lead pastor, like, we had no space to meet anymore. I don't know why we didn't consider this. Maybe because this is a little bit ridiculous itself, but like, you know, 
we're like, this is crazy. There's some testing here. But God was in it. You know, a community that was like, man, do I want this 27-year-old to leave me? Was all of a sudden like, I don't really want to find a building. Like, go, Josh, go. Like, I'll pray for you, right? Like, people had to see, like, they're like, he's doing it. He's leading. Right? Like, testing can make you wilt. Or testing can make you dig deeper. You can dig deeper and ask God for more. Or you can wither because of the challenges. You can probably think of a story in your life where maybe something new happened. And immediately, there was a challenge. Maybe at a new job in a new relationship, a milestone in your life, all of a sudden it got tested, almost like God was forging your life by fire. I don't know why it happens, but it does a lot. Third soil, the seeds that fell among thorn bushes stand for those who hear, but the worries and riches and pleasures of this life crowd in and choke them, and their fruit never ripens. Now, I, I learned something just in prepping this that I, I'd never really seen before. I'm going to read it one more time, see if you catch it. The seeds that fell among thorn bushes stand for those who hear, but the worries and riches and pleasures of this life crowd in and choke them, and their fruit never ripens. Worries, riches, and pleasures. Things that can just fantasize, things that can just like distract, that fascinate, right? And what I see here is that it's not that there's not fruit. Did you all catch that? There is fruit, but it's that it doesn't ripen. Another translation said it doesn't mature. You actually see fruit on the plant. It looks good. You're like, this is fine. I'm great. But you realize along the way it didn't mature because you didn't trade in that thing that you really wanted, that worry that you just wanted to focus on, that things won't be okay, or that maybe that riches of like, I have to make this amount of money to really be successful. Do you know what I left behind? you know how hard I worked? Maybe it's pleasures, the kind of comforts you want to enjoy. Riches, worries, and pleasures. They don't destroy the fruit. They simply give you a limit. And then you just run up against it completely all the time. You can't grow anymore. The fruit is there, but it doesn't mature. How many people have you felt that before? Where there's something you're really wanting to grow in. You're wanting to get better at relationships. You're wanting to steward money in a different way. You're wanting to be a leader. And you just feel like it's always getting stuck. And they're like, oh, I guess I am focusing on, like, do I have enough? Like, what did my parents do for me, actually? Do I have enough? I mean, maybe it is about money. I just don't have something that I need. Or I found something that makes me feel good at the end of the day. When I've just had so much hard things happen, we end up compromising something. And we limit ourselves. I know Patrick gave this talk two weeks ago, and so I'll let you listen to it. But I was just reflecting on what he was saying, thinking about this. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I, you sometimes think about these things as individuals, but like, what about like, the larger church? You know, American Christianity, there's, there's a lot of fruit, right? But doesn't it feel like sometimes that our faith hasn't matured? Like it just hasn't ripened fully. Like there's some compromises we have, maybe ways that we're obsessed with certain kinds of riches or certain kinds of pleasures or stuck up in certain kinds of worries. And so there's fruit. We can even see it, almost taste it, but it's not mature. It's not what we want it to be. What if we dared to refuse to be stagnant and to choose meaningful growth, even if it's slow? Three kinds of soil. And then there's the fourth. The seeds that fell in good soil stand for those who hear the message and retain it in a good and obedient heart, and they persist until they bear fruit. During the pandemic, we found this verse that I just loved. There's people who listen as if to obey. Like they listen 
as if to be obedient. Like that's how they're kind of tuning in. I can tell when my girls are doing this or not. I'm like, oh no, they're listening and they might have ca caught some of the words that came out of my mouth. And there's other times where I'm like, do you want to get, uh, do you want to get C-A-K-E? <laughs> like, they're, they're here. So like, do you want to get that next? Oh, they're listening to obey. They're like, what do we need to do? Tell us left or right, we'll go, right? There's a different way of listening when we're actually listening to someone where we care about what they're saying, when we care about what's going to happen next. I want to ask you a question, maybe a few, and then we'll uh, move on and transition. You know, during this pandemic, there's been a lot of chances and times that you've had to reflect and to see how you're stuck, maybe. Maybe to see how you're growing in good and bad ways. I want to ask you the question of, are you listening in order to obey when you think about the lessons of these past 16, 17 months? Like, what, what really were you challenged by? And did you notice that you were challenged by lies or that you were challenged by kind of testing? Maybe you were challenged by worries or pleasures or riches. Did you fall into one of those? And I think all of us do. And sometimes it's different around different things. But I'll say them again. During the last 18 months, were you challenged by lies about yourself, about God, about other people? Were you challenged by testing that shook you in some kind of way? And were you challenged by worries, pleasures, or riches? We have some invitations today to reject the lie or the lies, to inhabit truth is your story, to dig deeper with the help of God by the grace of God, or no, I'm going to wither. I have to go deeper or refuse to be stagnant, to choose meaningful growth, even if it's growth that won't happen overnight, growth that's slow. Your story can be different right now. But are you listening? And are you listening as one who has an obedient heart? Are you listening as one who's moved to obey this king of the kingdom? And are you beholding? Because when I think about beholding, I think, oh, wait, sometimes I do behold lies. Sometimes I do behold the test and the challenge and the difficulty. And sometimes I do behold the worry, the riches, the pleasure. And God says, and Jesus says through this passage, are you willing to give all that up and to behold the kingdom instead, to seek first the kingdom because all else will be added to you? And what if that looks like the last thing that God's told you? Not the whole Bible, 66 books, not everything that God's ever said. What if it's just holding on to the last thing God's said to you? Do you know what that is today? And if you don't know or if you don't remember, are you willing to ask God? Well, Josh said this question, I don't know, <laughs> but can I ask you? What's something you want to say to me today? Because I think sometimes following Jesus is a little bit easier when we think with eyes of grace than we would imagine. What if Jesus is really mostly concerned about that last thing he said? He just wants us to follow him forward. Your story can be different right now. Are you listening? Are you beholding? You're going to grow either way. So how do you want to grow? And how do you want to help others grow? I'm going to invite the worship team back up as you move towards communion. When Jesus went to the cross, there were things that uh, were challenging. The lie that he constantly faced from the enemy, that he didn't have to do this, that he could avoid the, the punishment, the, the harshness, the, the all these things. Like, who was his father to make him do this? 
He was challenged by a test to really go to the cross, to not fake it, to not let angels save him, but to endure pain and bloodshed and to not take advantage of any kind of heavenly resource that he could receive, but to say, this is for the joy set before me that I must endure this thing for the sake of life and life abundant. When we come to communion, we celebrate that story that Jesus planted something deep, deep down And that when a seed is planted, even when it dies, it bears so much fruit. Do we want to see Jesus bury those seeds in our lives and to see our lives be fruitful, not just for us, but for the communities around us? So I'm going to ask you uh, to take out your communion set. If you need one, you can raise your hand right now and someone will give you. We have a a number of people on this side that need communion. Uh, We got some people back here. So keep your hand up, please. People will come around to you. On the night that Jesus died, he was betrayed. And actually before that, he set a table. And that table was a table of invitation. And I think it was a table to transformation. He was going to break bread and to drink with his followers, including his betrayer. As we open up the cup right now to get the bread, the body of Christ. We remember this body was broken for us. That Jesus actually broke his body for our sake, for our life. He endured that for the sake of what was to come as his body was buried, but then came up in resurrection power. So if you believe that story, I want you to take and eat and let that story make its home inside of you. On the night that Jesus died, his blood was shed. This juice, the blood of Christ, is a way for us to remember and to take that in as well. Let's drink together. This is our family meal. This is our family story. It's a story that means we can overcome challenges in any kind of death, suffering, persecution, Anything like that can go into the ground and out of it can come resurrection, multiplication, fruitfulness. Let's pray together before we worship. God, I thank you for uh, the seed that is the word of God. Lord, right now I pray that it would be fresh in our hearts, that you would be speaking, that you would be reminding, helping people remember that that seed would be planted deep down inside of us and that it would grow. Help us trust you. Help us experience your power. Help us see you as better than anything else. God, we worship to you today, asking for that to be true. And we worship you today, thanking you that it is true in our lives and more and more in our own stories. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Need not. 